Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. We've got a really good Q&A today, and I'm really excited to dive into this. So, guys, welcome back to the show. What's up, Brevin and Chris? What's up? What's up? We just suck What's at technology. <laughs> Yes, we we started to record this in uh, another. We normally use a different um, website to record, and it was not cooperating for us. So now we're gonna repeat question one, but it's all right. We got some good practice answering it. We did. So with that being said, let's have into question one. We have why are so many coaches against meal plans? Brevin, I'll let you take that one off again, so you can repeat yourself. <laughs> take two. Um, so. <laughs> So like I said before, um, I, I think it's not necessarily the the meal plan itself. It's the idea around the meal plan or the, the concept of the meal plan. Um, because if your goal is to lose 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, if you're on a meal plan, you'll probably lose that weight because you're eating a very specific diet. You're, you're told what to eat at every meal. But it comes down to, can you actually keep that weight off? You're not learning anything in the process. Well, what happens if you don't like something on your meal plan? Do you just suffer through it because I want to lose weight? I mean, that doesn't sound fun to me, but I mean, I guess you get to make your own decision there. Um, what happens when you get invited out? What happens when you have these social events? Like, what, what are you supposed to do there? You, you're, chicken and rice is not on that meal plan. It's not at Taco Bell or wherever the hell you're at. Like, how do you make those decisions? How do you live your life? You don't, you don't learn how to live your life. You don't weight loss is two parts. It's losing the weight, but it's also keeping the weight off. And that's where so many people struggle. We're great at losing weight. We really are like, so, you know, so many people who have lost weight, at least 10 to 15, 20 pounds, but how many people have actually kept it off? That's where the statistics get a little bit scary where it's like, damn, we really suck at keeping the weight off and, and meal plans don't help with that. You just don't learn anything. Yeah. I, I think the biggest uh, example I can give you guys is, um, you know, people that do Optavia um, or Optavia, whatever you want to call it, is it's a specific, like you're eating bars, you're drinking shakes. And I've talked to so many people that have done things like this. And it's like, well, I don't know how to eat like normally. Like, I don't know how to eat real people food. <laughs> like It's like, um, so, it, and it, they're honestly like, struggle with depression and like really scarred them from doing this or like i literally don't know what to eat anymore like all i've no done is i've had bars and shakes for three years you know so it goes back to that like we should probably learn how to eat everything that you love and figure all of that out which is actually why i'm doing that challenge that we were talking about before like you know spiking my glue my my blood sugar um at all hours of the day because it's like we need to learn how to eat all of those things. We're probably going to have a donut at some point in our life. We're probably going <laughs> to eat Skittles and Mike and Ike's like I did yesterday, you know, in the morning, like that stuff is going to happen. We should probably develop a healthy relationship with it. And that's another part of it is like, if you mm -hmm. stick to a solidified meal plan, you're avoiding all of those things. Um, so that's my take on, it. I think meal plans, uh, they might be able to be okay in certain situations, but to me, they're always just meal ideas. Like I'll give you like five meal ideas. You choose which ones you want. Yeah. And that's something also I, <laughs> what I always bring with people, I'm just like, well, what if I write you an entire, like I could write you a year's worth meal plan. That's awesome. But like, what if you get to one day and it's like, Hey, have tilapia, broccoli, and rice. And you're like, ew, I don't like any of those things. I'm like, well, guess what's on your meal plan. Sorry. Or what if, you know, the, the reverse of like, Hey, I love pizza. Well, guess what? You have a whole year. I didn't give you any pizza for the entire year. So like 
how realistic is it for you to actually follow something? And I'm not going to give you what you love and things that and I'm going to give you things you don't want to eat as well. And we're all big believers here, like of learning to find that balance of having the things you enjoy in moderation and also not having to eat things you don't like at all. I have a good analogy, I think. So you you have a dog, right? You give them the exact same thing every single day. It's really easy to give them a little bit more and have them gain weight or give them a little bit less and have them lose weight. But what happens when you bring out your people food? They're begging and they're craving that food like crazy. They don't know. They, they it, That's not on their meal plan, but they want it so bad because they don't normally get it. So I think it's just going to make those cravings more intense and, and worse and harder to deal with because you're not dealing with them in real life. That's why I give my dog random, you know, <laughs> things of cheese and, you know, pizza crust. Like I got to <laughs> give him that moderation. He's got to develop a healthy relationship <laughs> with those foods. But see, dogs don't have that moderation. <laughs> they will eat until they are sick. <laughs> Because they're on a meal plan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They have no self-control. Um, awesome. Well, number two, Chris, what's number two? All right. What we got here is top recommendations for fitness and nutrition books. Um, I'm the last guy that you should have asked that question to. So I'm so, going to give that one to Chase. The only one I know of is like the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, actually this question came from Karina. Um, she messaged me on Instagram, shout out to her. And she's a really um, good listener of the show. And so, um, and she happened to see my bookcase behind me here. And she was like, Hey, like, I have a question. Like, what are the books? Like, she's like, wow, Chase is a nerd. Definitely not. <laughs> um, there are many on here that are on my to read list that I have not actually read yet, but I do actually pulled off some of the off the shelf. Um, number one is eat it by Jordan Syatt and Mike. Mike Ficanti. It's a great. All I can think of is beat it. Just beat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's a great book. It's a super easy read. They wrote it. It's not actually for coaches. It's actually meant for the general population that want to learn how to lose weight very sustainably. Um, and it's a, it's a great book. Um, second book I would recommend is The Binge Code. This one was super helpful for me. And like as far as like you know, with my history of binge eating, um, it's by Allison Kerr. Um, it's a fantastic book. I mean, there was definitely many parts of it where I was reading it. And I was like, dang, like they like know me up and down. Um, but it is a great book. Highly recommend that. Um, if anyone has ever heard me talk about the Zen 10 technique, it came out of this book. Um, so definitely give that one a shout out. This one, um, actually, Brevin will know. Science of Strength Training, Austin Current is a great book. Um, I'm still working my way through it. It's a very lengthy book, but it's a really good one as far as like just looking at pretty much like any workout, I mean, any exercise and it has like all the breakdown of everything. Um, we'll give a shout out. This one isn't nutrition or fitness, but it's just a great mindset book and I love it. I actually want to reread it, but it's like, if you look at it, it's like dog geared on like every other page basically, but it's, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. It's a fantastic book. I love this book so much. Um, so definitely recommend that one. And then one last one I will recommend that I haven't actually read yet, but it's on my to-do list um, is by Brad Schofield, which is the science and development of muscle hypertrophy. So I that book is a literal freaking textbook. It is. Yeah. That's the one reason I haven't really gotten into it that much yet, but I wanted to at least give it a shout out as well. Like but I have, I have my degree in exercise science. I, I studied this and I reread a couple pages on that multiple times. It, that is that is a, a bear to read, but it's a fantastic book. Um, you, you stole mine from my old coach, Austin. <laughs> yeah. um, 
he he actually he put that out while we were coaching together, which was, was super cool, super smart dude. This guy is like in the best way possible, a nerd about lifting, and I love it. Um, <laughs> my two books that really got me into this are the Muscle and Strength Pyramids from Eric Helms. Um, so he has the Muscle and Strength Pyramid Training and the Muscle and Strength Pyramid Nutrition. Uh, absolutely amazing books. Um, the pyramids are something I have actually adopted into my coaching a lot. And I talk about them all the time, like the hierarchy of like importance. So in those books, he talks about like, what's going to be the most important for your strength goals or your nutrition goals. And then what's going to be like the least important working your way up. They're, they're just amazing books. Um, uh, and, and they're relatively readable to the like average person who doesn't have an exercise science degree. Um, most of my other books that I, I would recommend all came from Chase. Um, he, he's he's got a lot of really good mindset books that he's given me. Um, so I, I lead all those to him. But yeah, the muscle and strength training pyramids are amazing. One other quick shout out I'll give, um, and this is just a little shout out to my past coach. Um, this one's probably more for the coaches. If I know we do have a couple coaches listening, but my previous coach, Jordan Lips, just wrote an um, ebook on how to program for hypertrophy, getting things quote unquote good enough. Um, so definitely shout out to that one as well. What you got, Chris? Uh, one, one other oh. book I had was The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's a book I'm actually reading right now. It's a really, really good book about just kind of changing perspective and overcoming obstacles. Love it. Um, I like a lot of mindset books. Um, you know, Atomic Habits is obviously yes. another great book that I've read. Uh, 5 a.m. Club. Um, that was I'm not a huge reader um, and I couldn't put that book down. In fact, I actually read it already this year and I'm starting to reread it just because I love it so much. Um, the whole thing's outlined and highlighted. So um, it, it's one of those books where it's like, oh, that's good. And then it's like three sentences later. Oh, man, I, you know, it's that's how it's, you are a badass was. I feel like yeah. literally every other page, I think it's dog eared and highlighted. And I'm just like, well, it was that good. <laughs> I've referred I, it to a lot of clients too, and they've all were just like, thank you so much for referring that. I have one more too. It's the Harry Potter series. You should definitely read it if you haven't. <laughs> you know, Brevin, we never finished the Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter movies. I know. That's why I don't like you. And for, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, Chase has never watched all the Harry Potter movies. And I swear to God, Chris, if you tell me that you have two, I'm hanging in this call up. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> oh. Exit out. <laughs> Wait, you said not have not seen them? Yeah. Have you seen all the Harry Potter movies? I haven't seen one of them. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely appalling, disgusting. Like I'm, I'm so the, the coach's round table is now down a coach. Yeah. Any, any yeah. takers? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> that is your guys' homework is to go read the, it's to go. You don't even have to read the books, just watch the movies. Man. They are generational. Meh. God, <laughs> our listeners probably just dropped it like half. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Um, come over to the Unfuck Your Health podcast where we actually like Harry Potter, not like these losers. <laughs> God, oh, so man. disappointed. <laughs> um, on that note, let's go ahead and move to the next one before Revan actually leaves us. Revan, what's number three? Um, this one is from Karen. Thank you for asking the question, Karen. It's how to get your mindset right for when you go or for when there are, sorry, my screen's not up. When there are goodies out, example, going to the movies, birthday parties, family cookout, et cetera, and not overdoing it. Chris. Yeah. Um, I, I think the easiest way to do this 
is number one, taking consideration like where you're currently at in your journey of like your your relationship with food, set realistic expectations for yourself as well, but also give yourself permission when you go to these things. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I've been talking to a lot of clients about, about like, you know what, maybe it's not the best option to just make a whole bag of popcorn um, or something like that. Like they make hundred calorie bags of popcorn. Like, why don't you give yourself permission to have, you know, the popcorn, but maybe put it into a sandwich bag instead of making a whole thing and just throw it into a huge bowl. Um, and then also like ice cream, you know, uh, maybe give yourself 100, 100, 200 calories of a bowl of ice cream and be like, you know what, I've got 300 calories left for my day. So I'm not going to overindulge. And I think giving yourself that permission really helps with the mindset around going into it. And it's also planning, right? Like we know the importance of going into the, uh, the situation with a plan. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, Oh, you go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say going in with a plan and like, you know, I'll just kind of give off a couple, like the top strategies. Like I have like two or three that I love to use with my clients is like, one is the one plate method, like going in and like allowing yourself to have one plate of whatever you want to have. But like, that's your plate of food, right? Like setting that boundary for yourself. So you're not saying you can't have any food, like no food is off limits, which I feel like that's how it should be all the time. But like, but really like no food is off limits. You can have whatever you want, but you're having one plate of food, stick to it, right? We're not eating from the bag. We're not eating from the big bowl of chips. Like you're making one plate and that's your plate of food. Um, next is the build a plate method. So like, let's say if you don't want to limit yourself to how many plates you can have, like, how about we limit yourself to what is going on those plates? So like half your plate should be fruits and veggies. A quarter of your plate should be protein. And the other quarter can be whatever it is, like carb source, whatever it may be. And then also it's just like also watching your calories from beverages as well. Those of you who drink a lot of alcohol when you're going out to these events and things like that, like that's a quick way to add up a ton of extra calories that you just don't need. So like try to skip out on some of those or set boundaries around them as well. Like and set a realistic boundary too. Like how many people do they say like, oh, I'm just going to have one drink. And I'm like, all right, like, let's just go ahead and cut the crap here. Like, we know you're not going to have one drink. Like you're going to have at least two, if not maybe three. So why don't we go ahead and say, I'm going to have two drinks and stick to that rather than making yourself try to stick to one, which you know you're not going to do. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think like Chris said, it's about going in and changing the expectation. If you go in to your fitness journey and you're you go in with the expectation that I'm not going to have cravings, I'm not going to have these foods, I'm not going to do these things. Well, the minute that you have those cravings, because you're going to have those cravings, we all do. We all have cravings. Not any of us are special and don't crave stuff. So if you go in with the expectation, like I'm going to have some cravings and it's okay. It's okay to say yes sometimes, but it's also okay to say no. Because at the end of the day, like my definition of food freedom that I like to give is food freedom is the ability to say yes to that food, but it's also the ability to say no to that food. It's knowing that that food doesn't have control over you. And I think it's not even necessarily, especially in kind of the examples you gave, it's not even necessarily the food. It's the social aspect of these things. Like you don't want to go to a restaurant and be the only person who orders a salad when everyone else ordered burgers. You're like, oh, well, I'm depriving myself or, or all these kind of things. And, and you go into the expectation that like, ah, if I give into that burger, I'm also going to have the ice cream. And I'm also going to have this stuff. And I think a lot of it's just about really cultivating a deep self-trust within yourself. And that's not something that's easy to do, but you have to start to build self-trust and then value that self-trust that you're not going to break that self-trust in yourself. At the end of the day, like we crave more of what we have more of. So it, I think it also comes down to changing your environment. So 
I know some of the examples you gave, you're, you're not changing your environment. You're not, not going to go to those things, but don't tempt yourself all the time. Maybe in your house, you're not keeping those things that are triggers for you. So then you have the freedom when you go out to enjoy those things. It's not tempting fate constantly. And, and I also think that like, we have to realize you're going to experience pleasure. You're going to experience pain on your fitness journey. And the one that you choose acutely is going to be relatively short lived. But the one that you were able to push off is going to be very long lived. So I, I think it's just, again, it all comes down to expectations and changing perspective around these things. Yeah, I think you touched on it. Like, it's going to look different for everybody. Like some people might, you might be in a season where you have to just remove the things from your house. But then maybe four months from then, you're like, no, I can't have these kind of things in my house. You know, and I'm not buying a whole bag of chips. I'm buying snack size bag of chips. And you, you're starting to develop that relationship with food there. Um, I think that's so important to like realize it might look a little bit different for everybody. And it might look different for you or for you three months from now. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think when we talk about like experience, <clears throat> experiencing pleasure and pain, like we, we have to change perspective on what these things are. Like you put a lot of the things that you're craving on this pedestal. And I, the perfect example that's outside of fitness between Chase and I, I love shoes. I love Jordans. I think they're amazing shoes and they're awesome. And I've spent like three or $400 on a pair of shoes before, which to most people is stupid. I love them. Chase, <laughs> I couldn't pay him to wear these shoes. They're not super comfortable. They're not they're not anything special <laughs> that he doesn't care who Michael Jordan is like <laughs> he has a different perspective and value on those shoes than I do. So mm -hmm. it's about changing the value and the perspective on these events, on these things. Chase couldn't care less if I gave him a $1,500 pair of Jordans. He'd be like, can I sell it? I'd be like, dude, that <laughs> right? is staying in the box <laughs> on my shelf and I'm not even wearing it. Oh man. Yeah. I'll be the first one to list them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I think perspective is so powerful. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think it's just going in with intent, setting some type of intent. Like there are going to be, I think it's important to realize that like not every special occasion can be a special occasion because then nothing's a special occasion. And if you are constantly looking at every event, like it's a time to just go, you know, ball to the wall and every single food that's there. And like, that's not going to work. Like you, you have to have some restraint on some things. Like maybe it's like the, the lake day. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to eat a little bit lighter food i'm not going to drink as much and have a good time but then you have a couple like let's say you have like three weeks of like being able to like be kind of low-key not eat out a lot but then you have like the one event you actually want to be able to go to and not stress about food and drinks like okay great enjoy that but that's why we have you know 80 to 85 percent of the time we're on plan with things the other 10 15 percent is when we're looking at you know you want to enjoy ourselves well and i also think um last thing i'll touch on here is I think pre-tracking these things can be important. It, it can help you because we go into these events and again, we talk about value placed on, on things. We go into these and we're like, ah, a little bit won't hurt. A little bit won't hurt. Well, that's what Target does. You know, you walk into Target and they have that little <laughs> dollar section up front. It is crazy how every single person that walks into Target walks through that store. They're like, oh, that's a dollar. That, that won't hurt. Three dollars. That won't hurt. Next thing you know, you got thirty dollars worth of stuff in your cart that you're never going to use because it was right there. It was easy. A little bit won't hurt. And we go into that mind with that mindset, like a little bit of that won't hurt. A little bit of that won't hurt. And like you don't go into the, the electronic section, for example, and say, well, a little bit won't hurt. I'm just going to buy that $500 TV. Like there's a bigger value placed on that. So I think it's just 
seeing what your personal values are inside of these things. And again, I think some of it comes down to that cultivating that self-trust and and relying on that self-trust. And again, that's something that takes some time to develop. But once you can do that, like you don't have to have a special hack or a special this, like you trust yourself to make the decision that is going to be the best for your goals. You don't have to rely on a ton of willpower because we really don't have that much willpower. You're, you're trusting yourself and what you value. Robin, you act like um, you know about the target experience. I do. That uh, is the bane of my existence. Every time we go, I, without fail, hey, let's go grab <laughs> let's one thing because Target's really close to my apartment. Let's go grab this one thing from Target. Oh, but we can stop in here. A little bit won't hurt. I don't think I've ever walked out of Target with Brittany without spending at least $30. We're going for one thing. A little bit won't hurt. That gallon and of milk right. turns into $45, $50. percent. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, like a little bit won't hurt. But if you have a little bit won't hurt mentality every single time, like we're not telling you don't have that food. Don't have those things. Don't limit yourself. But a little bit every time makes those things less valuable every time. Cool. All right. On to the next one. Christine asked, how do I exercise self-control better when being on steroids, when, when, when being on steroids? The reason is because I got that injection in my hand two weeks ago and yet I'm still wanting junk and the scale is creeping up again. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but I think I was eating better before the injection. And so definitely like steroid weight gain and, you know, like prednisone or like any of like the common steroids, like corticosteroids, like that is a common side effect of um, steroids. Um, not the steroids you're thinking of, Brevin. <laughs> I, I read this question first and I was like, how to exercide better stuff when I'm I can see that look like, in your face. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Who's injecting steroids? Like, can I have some? <laughs> we push that on all our clients. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the oh. secret sauce. <laughs> That's how we get great results. Yeah. <laughs> Come on over to Conquer. <laughs> um, no, like um, corticosteroids are one of the most common side effects is weight gain. And the biggest thing with that is, is like you just having to like go into it, like knowing that your cravings are probably going to be up and you have to like, again, like to access with intent, right? Like you can't just like, nonchalantly just like and and i know you're not and and christine i'm not like talking to you about this and i know you're not using this as an excuse but just as a general rule of thumb though like we do have to realize like we can't just i'll say like well i'm on steroids so i i can't control what i'm eating like you, that's when you have to be a little bit more mindful of what you are actually putting in your mouth like what are you actually eating because like that's it's, it is a side effect right you are going to have more hunger but that said as well like maybe we need to be a little more active get some more steps in stay hydrated focus on getting like really high fiber, high protein foods to help with our satiety. Like there are a lot of things we can control. Yes, it is a little bit harder on steroids, but we still have to take that control. I also think too, like goes, you know, back down to the expectation part of this. Like you're, you know, you're going through this right now. Like maybe it, it, we shouldn't focus on the scale, focus on weight loss. Just maybe just focus on just healing and recovery, things like that. Focus on sleep, focus on a lot of things that, you know, Chase has mentioned, but it's like, like, you know, I have a, cl a client that is going through a back surgery right now. It's like, obviously we can't focus on exercise and things like that, but there are things we could really hyper-focus on. And I think food, you know, food quality, things like that to help limit inflammation in the body as your, your body's trying to recover. Um, I think that just focus on what you can control. 
Yeah. And I think you said it perfectly. The, the more you focus on, I'm having these cravings, these cravings are there. I know they're going to be there. I was told the side effects of these, the more you're going to hyper-focus on those things, the harder it's going to be. So I think like you guys have given some great tips on, on how to overcome those. And we, in the last question, we talked about overcoming some of those cravings as well. I think part of it also comes down to again, expectations, you know, going in, you're expecting to have these things. So let's, let's start to identify our triggers or where we struggle and let's maybe not put ourselves in that situation quite as much. And I think you said it really well, Chase, it comes down to like, okay, well, you, you know, these things are happening. You have to give yourself that control. And I think, uh, I can't remember. I think it was Cody McBroom said it on his podcast one time. Uh, he was like, when you start pointing blame at other things, you start to give them the power you have to just say everything's my fault. And that sounds really harsh, but like when you take the power back, you have the power to change it. But the more that you give out like, well, that's why this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. You give your control and your power out to all these other things and you lose the ability to make that change or to control the situation. Yeah. I mean, how many times, Chris, do we, inside of the business, we're always like, all right, something happens, like point 10 fingers back at us. Like what, what, uh -huh. what are we doing wrong here? And taking yeah. that ownership to fix it. And that's what really helps with anything that goes with anything. And just yep. know like these things are transient. The scale increase is probably transient. You're, you know, like Chase said, these are some of the side effects of this medication. So mm -hmm. it's okay. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. Well, let's go into... So Amy asked three different questions all about exercising. And I wonder, I think we'll probably, that'll take us to the end of the time here. So let's get through these. But she first asked, how do they know when to switch up a weight routine? Revan. Yeah. So I, I think this is a great question. And it's, so I think a lot of people want to switch up the routine way too early. I think there's a lot of value that has to be placed in doing the same thing over and over and over again because you're allowing progressive overload at that point. So I think a great time to stop. And now I want to take this from two perspectives. So the first first perspective is like, how can we maximize our, our results? Well, you should probably be doing the same things for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks even. You can change up some exercises when you start to truly plateau on them, when you're not making progress on them. But the second perspective here is, you don't need to optimize everything that you're doing. So, hey, you know what? If you get a little bit bored doing an exercise and you think switching it up is going to help you stay more consistent and give better effort, like, hey, let's do it. I think there's that line of like, how can we make this work and get the best results and how can we just enjoy what we're doing? So I think four to six weeks is generally a good time to switch up some exercises, keep some of the bigger movements in, some compound movements and allow you to progress on those a little bit longer. But hey, like, there's a million different bicep curl variations. Switch those out and enjoy what you're doing a little bit more. I think um, one of the things that I like to do for certain personality types is you can literally throw in one different exercise into their routine and they're like, oh my gosh, like got a new workout. I'm so excited. And, you know, <laughs> like, but it always goes back to like, what is driving you to go to the gym? Like what is making you want to go? Maybe it, maybe it does take changing up your routine. For me, I'm always just about like consistency and motivation. I hundred percent agree, Revan, that like, you know, people are way too quick to change. Like I have clients that are like two weeks into their workout program. And they're like, I'm really bored of my workouts. And I'm like, okay, we need, this is a different conversation, but I also have a client where it's like, I just want to build consistency. She wasn't really being consistent with going to the gym and her workouts. 
she's starting to go now. And I'm like, I honestly, I don't even care what you're doing or if you're following my program. The fact that you're just going is a win to me. Um, so I think depend once again, depending where you're at in your journey, if you're like, you know, I think, tw- you know, 12 weeks in doing uh, a workout program is probably, you know, long enough that you could probably start changing out some of the exercises. If you're bored of it, like Brevin said, it's like, like, you know, there's 20 different variations of a bicep curl. Like sometimes that's all it takes is like, you know what, instead of um, uh, incline curls, I'm just going to do hammer curls and, you know, do just changing up one little exercise can get you past that mindset. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to dive into the next one. Um, Cause I feel like oh, you I had one more with... thing I wanted to say there. Um, yeah. So like the, the general way that I would, break up like a 12 week block, for example, because we talked about like 12 weeks is a good time is like the first four weeks you're going to be doing um, these exercises in this rep range. You're going to have these big compound movements. So let's say like a squat in the six to eight rep range or even eight to 10 rep range. And then, Hey, maybe we keep the same exercise, but we change the reps. So you're doing heavier weight or doing lighter weight or change the tempo. Like there's a lot of other things you can do. And then you're changing some of your accessory movements. So like, Hey, maybe instead of doing a single arm dumbbell row, you're doing a cable row. Like you're, you're keeping similar movement patterns. You're just maybe changing the exercise every four to six weeks in that 12 week block, just to kind of give a little bit of context. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, then she asked about how to decide how to split, split the weight routine. A lot of that's going to come down to a lot of it is going to be preference, but I think it's also depends on like one, how long do you have in the gym each day and how many days a week are you going, right? Like if you're only going two to three times a, a week, we probably need to look at full body workouts. If you're going four days a week, then and even with three, like it does have some variability, variability there, but I usually will go three um, full body days. But then also like you go to four days, like we could do like a push, pull legs, full body. You could do like push, pull, push, pull, like, like, and you could like throw the legs like all throughout all four days. Like, like there's so many different ways you can mix this up is like just making sure you're training en- enough on each of the muscle groups throughout the entire week. Yeah, I, I think programming is an art and it, I kind of view it as like a puzzle. So we, we know what our puzzle pieces are, volume, intensity, and then frequency is a way that we can manipulate those variables over the course of your week. So we can spread out volume as much as we want. And intensity is just going to be a way to, to help us split that up because we know, again, what our puzzle pieces are. So Chase said it perfect. How many days per week can you go to the gym? How many days per week do you want to go to the gym? How long do you want to spend at the gym? Because if you only want to spend 45 minutes, we'll probably four, we might have you go four times instead of two times where you're spending an hour and a half in there. Like we can split these things up a million different ways. Like I've created some really crazy splits for people on a three or four day routine because like you can split it up however you want, as long as the underlying principles are taken into account. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've goes back to your lifestyle current season that you're in. Like we have some, some clients that are like, yeah, right now I, during the summer, I have 45 minutes to an hour to get a workout in. And then it's like, well, school's starting right now. Um, I probably only have like 15, 20 minutes. So it's like, all right, well, let's just design a workout and the amount of times, like what days can you get to the gym? Um, what, you know, it it just goes back to like, what can you be consistent with? Let's do our best with, with that. Like, I know for us, like we're working with like busy moms and, um, people that are single moms with three kids and they're going three different directions. Me putting them on an hour and 15 minutes four days a week is probably not realistic. In fact, they're probably going to feel like they're failing um, because they 
didn't get to the gym once or, you know, uh, they didn't get to the gym all four times. They only made it once or twice that week. It's like, let's design a program where they actually feel like they're winning at the end of the week. Yeah, it is funny. I actually made a post on exactly that yesterday of like, how can we maximize our time in the gym? Like, let's choose compound movements. Let's choose accessories that are going to have a lot of external stability. Let's choose length and biased exercise. Let's add intensity techniques and and train close to failure. Like that way you can manipulate all. It's so awesome. Like I love programming because it is such an art. There's so many different ways that you can maximize 30 minutes, three times a week or an hour, six times a week. And then lastly, she asked, does order of exercises matter? Chris, let's take that one first. I think they do. Um, I, I always like to do my bigger compound list before. So I, it's going to exert the most energy. Um, so I want the most energy to be putting into those kind of lifts. Typically, like, you know, if I'm going to do, uh, let's just say I'm going to do like chest and tri- uh, chest and triceps, like I'll do some of my bigger lifts, like uh, chest before I go to my tricep lift, or if I'm doing squats and biceps that day, do your squats, um, you know, first, I always like to, uh, complement my bigger lifts with a smaller lift makes it really difficult. I know like when there's certain days when I go in and I'm doing like a really heavy, like squat day, or, uh, I won't do chest, like a bigger, another bigger muscle group myself. That's just my preference might look a little bit different for you, but I do think the order definitely matters. Yeah. I mean, I would hundred percent agree. The order, the order does matter. And it is very context dependent. Cause like, like you said, Chase and I will go in there and do a squat and then do a deadlift. Like the other day I, or bench the other day I did a squat bench and deadlift day, but it all comes down to how can we change and manipulate the variables to make it work for us? Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, Yes, but also it depends. There's a lot of variables in it. Like if you're going to do a squat and the, there's no squat racks open and you only have 45 minutes, like let's let's pick an exercise that you can do that's not going to negatively impact your squat. Let's go do your seated hamstring curls first. That's not going to impact your squats. Your hamstrings aren't used in your squats. They're not actively contracting or lengthening. So like it's not going to negatively impact that that movement. So I, th- I think it's just like knowing those things are like, hey, ask your coach. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think you guys covered that one really well as well. So, um, yeah, I think and we're right at 30 minutes. Anything else you guys? Well, we're actually at? at like 58 minutes, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you count for like all the times we were playing around technology at the beginning of this before we got to this episode, but anything else you guys want to add? Go watch Harry Potter, please. No, don't. <laughs> don't. Oh. You're no, disgusting. You can't do it. <laughs> All of our, all of our Harry Potter fans are going to come for you guys. <laughs> all right, guys. All of them. D- D- DM each of us and let us know Harry Potter or no Harry Potter. Give us your input. <laughs> all right, guys. Talk to you guys later. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.